everything that ever was and ever will be reflects you as a part of infinity. Take the evolution of technology, a logical progression in ever new form. A way to shine brighter. Welcome to the final episode of But Is It Art Season 2, a podcast by Next Museum in Amsterdam, the home of new media art at the intersection of art, science, sound and tech. We're wrapping things up with a topic that has been looming over all the episodes, the hybrid between the digital and the physical. How do artists form a bridge between the digital and the physical world? What tools do they use to make this bridge? And how does the fluidity created by these artists relate to our daily lives? We'll also be taking a look back at the previous episodes, talking about the entire exhibition. This episode mainly features artist Audrey Large and curator Bogomir Doringer. with music by Imogen Davy is the last poem of Beatrix's Odyssey and very appropriate for this last episode where we will look at how all the artworks discussed in this podcast exist in a fluid realm that is both physical and digital. So let's take a quick look back. We started this podcast season by explaining how technological advancements of the last years have changed the way that art is made and sold. And we also discussed how the overall theme of the exhibition is fluidity. But these two topics go hand in hand, according to the curator of this exhibition, Bogomir Doringer. For me it was not that we need to discuss fluidity because it's hot. To me it's interesting the technology requires and brings fluidity. Like the way how I'm now talking to you and how I have a microphone next to me and I'm recording on two different apps. I mean, it's fluid. It's totally fluid. So fluidity is something that I'm, I'm, I'm even not sure if we started discussing fluidity because some 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 people out there said, now we're going to talk about fluidity or fluidity was almost a, a, a natural response to the way how things are overlapping and structuring and how technology is also working. So fluidity was not just a hot topic. It was an inevitable outcome of our rapidly changing world. And fluidity is apparent in multiple ways, which we discovered in this podcast season. For example, artists do not shy away from implementing gamification elements, changing the fixed border between what is a game and what is art. Artists are reappropriating old mythologies where now we can become a god ourselves. And when you do become a god in a digital space, are you still being you? Artists prove with their art how fluid identity is and how malleable it becomes in a digital space. And linked to identity is a fluidity of gender, where they use digital tools to take a step back from a gender binary and make it more fluid. So you can see that artists are creating bridges. 
Through their art, they question the borders that split up our way of thinking. And they operate within a realm that uses elements from both sides of this border. Through art, they create a more fluid world. And when you take a step back, we can see that the biggest fluidity is that between the physical world and the digital world. Take the artwork The Waters in Between by Audrey Large. This artwork really exemplifies how artists create this bridge between the physical and the digital world. In this case, through design. I was interested why she felt the need to create this bridge. So I asked Audrey, who is not your typical designer. Designer meaning extended design in between sculpture and objects. And I mainly, my practice mainly revolves around topics of um, the digital and our ways of envisioning matter in the context of exponential digitization of our surroundings. Audrey creates sculptures or objects that play into this fluidity between digital and physical as a response to our physical world becoming more digital. She designs them as digital sculptures, but they are then printed and come to life in the material world. We'll dive into this technical part later on. The Waters in Between is a good example of such a hybrid or a fluid sculpture. It's very big. It stands proudly in the middle of a room, almost like a fountain, and it looks very soft and hard at the same time. Flowy, but also frozen. Like a wave caught on camera. Here's Audrey talking about the work. I always try to, to think about intertwining elements. So there are colors, uh, elements of colors, for shapes, um, that intertwines together. Some are playing with lights, some are iridescent, and some are more um, like a soft stone. There's an architectural dimension within it, and can be this um, otherworldly object that just landed on Earth. It could look ancient, but that could look futuristic too. You, you can't tell if it's um, a rune or a totem or a spaceship. Trying to explain this work is almost impossible, since it's so visual and atmospheric. And that's intentional. Yeah, I mean, I also always say that I, I try, my work tries to, to resist uh, language and description. So when I say that pieces should talk to the senses and you should experience it, um, I like when it's hard to put words on the things. You never can grasp it fully, so you will try to create this reference, this cloud of reference. It makes me think, but you can never fully grasp it. This is a sensitive experience that I try to set up each time I make a work. So for me, describing it is hard. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing to say about the work. Once you see it, there's actually a lot to discover and it provides you with enough material to discuss. There is different level of feeling and approaching the piece. Or you grasp it fully, like in the first sight, you have this uh, impression of this big thing coming on you. But you can also turn around and you will always discover some new elements, some new details. And you can also come closer 
and see on the surface some engravements and very little things to read. Yeah, I mean, for me, each each work is a little word in itself, a little piece of fantasy. And thinking of the term fluidity, this artwork fits that word perfectly. Even the name conjures a fluid image. So the waters in between was more about yeah, a reference to the fluidity and the liquidity of things. Um, going back to this idea of the file that is meant to travel from one state to another, from the digital to the material. So there is this uh, liquidification of matter. And then it was also um, hints towards the, the ambiguity because of I play with this iridescence. Every time you turn around the piece, it's always changing. It's never still. And it almost looks like water. An ideal artwork for an exhibition on fluidity, you would say. Curator Bogomir Doringer intentionally looked for artworks that really broke this barrier between digital and physical. So for me, it was interesting to have something that is like Audrey Large sculpture that is, you know, this like huge object that looks like argumented reality. But when you enter the space, it's just there and you want to touch it and lick it and smell it and you ask questions, how is it made? And and at the same time, that object has that strange, semi-sexual, erotic, but again, it's very colorful. So 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 it was like, okay, how, how will digital world change the public space, the sculptures, the monuments, the fontaines? So yeah, I think the fluidity comes from the software itself and the way how these shapes are created and i think then reflecting on that process and it was logical once we you know we saw audrey's uh smaller versions and sculptures that it just feels like it's in motion and it's like um it's neither it's fixed in space and time once you you print it but everything before and after is just a very fluid constant process in the way how she works and then it, it's not even about the meaning in that sense. It's just fascinating to see how easily we get confused when we see something that is so um, familiar from screens in actually physical space. The waters in between really triggers the viewer. It floats between worlds and is indescribable and maybe therefore somewhat incomprehensible. So people come up to Audrey very often with just one important question. In general, people just ask me how it is made, what is it made of? And it seems like such a, a tri- almost trivial question, but it could be Thinking about it, it could be a very metaphysical question too, because the yeah, the ultimate question is like, what is matter? And I think when people cannot identify uh, what they are facing, uh, I, I like to set to set up this kind of uh, this kind of space in between my work and the audience. Basically, what is it? It can be a very technical question, but it is an interesting question indeed. But before we try to answer the question of how the material would change the work's value, it might be good to know how it actually is made. Firstly, I designed the piece uh, 
by 3D modeling and software on a computer. The, the sculpting part, I make a file. I, I create this file on a computer, um, not in a parametric way, but in a sculpting mode, which is a more uh, fluid and organic. Like organic way of approaching 3D modeling um, and its techniques that are also used in animation and cinema uh, to create characters, for example. So it's a, a bit of uh, you have this this ball of uh, uh, digital matter and you can carve it as you would uh, carve clay, for example. So there's this first step where I I have I made this file and then after I. I am translated this file, I materialized this file uh, via 3D printing. This process is somewhat similar to ceramics. You also take a ball of matter, be it clay, you carve it into the shape of your choosing, and then you finalize it by using a machine, in this case an oven. This whole podcast, and specifically while talking to Audrey, I kept struggling with the word real. When something becomes materialized, does it only then become real? Or is a sculpture also real when it exists only digitally? And are there degrees in reality where digital is less real than physical? I asked Audrey for her opinion. Yeah, I mean, for me, everything is real. So it's, I know there are people that are more onto the side of nothing is real, <laughs> everything is virtual. But I, to to me, I don't. Uh, the fact that I experience something doesn't make the experience less valid. So there's also a lot of theory about uh, the material properties of an image. When photography has been invented, when film cinema happens. A lot of people, even on paintings, a lot of person theorized the, the materialities of images. And so I, I was just reversing this type of thinking and wondering, okay, what are the image properties of objects if um, the dichotomy between the real and the digital is not relevant anymore? And then if it's not relevant, what do we do with this matter? How do we manipulate it? It's true, when photography and film grew in popularity, it wasn't seen as an art or even a craft. The same misconception applies to many new media art forms, like video games or 3D modeling. And according to Bogomir, it's very common, but not grounded. I think it goes back to that whole topic that new media art doesn't have a value because it's non-material. And then, um, but you know, sometimes I think for me personally, it's fascinating how how easily we get influenced by images and, and content that comes to us in a curator, not curated through social media, you know, like we get exposed and we, we start transforming and even influences our practice. What Bogomir is saying is that this question of is it real or is it valuable does not matter. As long as an artwork influences, inspires, and touches people, it is valid and real. However, there are some voices also within the exhibition who say that a virtual reality is not exactly the same as a material reality. 
Without giving one more value than the other, there are some differences. Artist Ocean, for example, sees a video game reality as more of a childlike reality, where you don't have to be a responsible adult. Here's a snippet from an interview with Ocean. They are very separate from each other in like this, the aspect of like digital and like physical reality and stuff. But like the thing that like makes it a blurred line is like your brain, because like that's the only thing that makes it interpret the false reality from the real ones. Like I can play GTA right now and be like, I automatically know this is like a false reality because I'm playing with the remote and like I can see the TV where I'm like controlling it and stuff. And then in VR, I almost think that it's like I can almost sense that it's fake because of the same thing uh, it's like I like had to put on goggles and I had to like use a remote to like go around these things but like I feel like once games get to a point where you can't tell the difference between like the two then like your brain won't even think that like this is like a false reality it's like I'm just going somewhere else and Audrey who mixes these two realities seamlessly really does create some kind of third hybrid reality but there is a point in what Ocean is saying that we haven't addressed in this episode, but that did pop up earlier. In a digital reality, there are almost no constraints. You can walk around in gravity-defying garments, or become a god or an androgynous giant pink post-human character. But the physical world will always have its limitations. That is why Harriet Davy who is another artist also working with 3D modeling, doesn't necessarily chase a real, in air quotes, look. Here's Harriet. I would always say that I'm not or I'm not chasing reality in a way that a lot of people are in, in 3D. Uh, like I'm not so preoccupied by recreating something that we could ever have physically. So in that sense, like they will never be fully real. But in my head, it seems pretty real to me. I think that this debate of reality can go on for ages. But maybe we shouldn't elaborate too much. At least Audrey thinks so. So for me, it's not really a relevant question even. I, I do see all these images, digital images that we are surrounded with are deeply material. Whether because they are embedded in very material systems or because they are simply made out of pixels and and light and they are, they, they are composed by material elements and we can materially feel them and experience them. The exhibition touches on many topics, some of them more straightforward than others. So what is the response like to a maybe more challenging exhibition like this? I asked Bogomir. Quite mixed, you know, you have people who totally get it, who love it, who feel that they're presented, that their stories are uh, recognized. Oh, but you also have people who are totally confused, repulsed. Um, maybe, maybe even disturbed by it. But when you think about it, none of the topics or the technologies in the exhibition showcase a reality that is very far in the future. Chances are high that you already see 3D modeling every day. 
or that you have experimented with your online identity, that your work requires you to create bridges yourself between digital and physical tools. The exhibition shows a world that is very close. It shows us what's next. And maybe that's what's so disturbing. Here's Audrey again. Digitization is not a topic anymore, we are in it, but we sometimes feel this uh, kind of uh, almost spiritual gap in between um, digital and the real. We feel stuck. The digital gives us all the promises. It's going to be better in there. It's everything you can't do in real. And we, we go on basically designing one, the material world as uh, something that is real and true and heavy, full of tradition, um, but at the same time that has a lot of value. And then we design the digital world as the space of representation, um, as something that is light, that is fake, that we cannot trust. And we are in between these two. And I was thinking maybe we, sh we should stop uh, designing the real only in a material way, but start to think about translation and start to think about the material as meant to be traveling as well in the digital world. We are beyond a world that is digitizing. We already live in a fully hybrid world. How are you listening to this podcast? How did you pay for the last thing you bought? How do you keep in touch with friends? Where do you get your inspiration from? So it was really Bogomir's job to curate an exhibition that showcased this hybrid reality we live in, in all its glory. But that was not a simple task. Here is Bogomir again. So, so that's, I guess, the biggest work that was on me was to sort of, you know, like, you know, like Ocean's World exists on TikTok. <laughs> and you know it gives this feeling that it exists in physical space but for me is the it the it was just a question of time when it's going to leak out or again as a fluid spread into physical into objects into toys into products into music industry but then if you if you think you know about the popularity of his work um of course it's clear that those numbers will attract the attention of music industry or media productions and you know because there is audience for 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 that so then my question was like okay so what is the future of mass media of uh, video gaming of a music show of uh, video commercials um in 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 uh, in a world of ocean in Ocean's world, and how does that work in the space? Anything can become hybrid, also commercials and media in all its forms. So Bogomir took up the task of facilitating artist Ocean in materializing his work, and vice versa. He saw how the digital nature of the work could also add something valuable to the physical world. He created a bridge. And for me, that was interesting to, to think like, okay, is this the future? Is this the metaverse? Is this what we are discussing? Is that how, how public spaces would look like? Is that how shopping malls will look like? Is that how, how we will discuss um, a burnout or, or depression in young generation? Will it be so colorful that we might not even perceive it as depression? So yeah, I don't know, like he, he brought a lot of interesting things and then you can also look at it from from new media art history like you know like it has references in 
you know, like 60s, 70s, 80s. And those references are not conscious, but they're there um, because of the way how he engages with software and technology and he creates, yeah. And Ocean's work is only one example of how art can make a bridge between the physical and the digital world. I think for me, the whole exhibition together creates one world. So it's not like each artwork on itself. Like, I think that that's kind of the way how they line up or they unroll or fall onto each other or challenge each other. Yeah, it's like really one big installation called UFO Unidentified Fluid Other. So I guess you could say that the whole exhibition really is fluid. We should see this exhibition not as a dystopian or a utopian future, but as a mirror. It shows us how new technologies change our daily lives. It shows us how we have a constant desire for playing and how gamification has snuck into everything from online banking to language learning. It shows us how we will always need heroes and otherworldly stories and how they are metaphors for life. It shows us how we can explore our identity, discover who we are and what gender we are. It shows us gender euphoria. It shows us how art is ever evolving, but always relevant. Thank you so much for listening to this final episode of But Is It Art Season 2. A huge shout out to all the artists who participated in this deep dive into the exhibition. If you're interested in Next Museum, go to nextmuseum.com to check what's on. That is nxtmuseum.com. My name is Victor van der Velde and I produce this podcast for Next Museum. I hope to see you sometime at the museum and don't forget to rate the podcast if you like it. It really helps getting the podcast out there to people who are interested. Thank you.